0: Welcome to the CT Startup Podcast, an insider's perspective on the startup ecosystem in the great state of Connecticut. I'm Dave Bernard from Martha, Klein, and with me today is
1: Eric Francis from Fresh Farm Aquaponics.
0: And our special guest...
2: Jen Corbo, also from North Carolina.
0: That's right, folks. We're lawyering up today. <laughs> <laughs> we, decided, uh, we decided we violated one too many rules and regulations here at the podcast, and we're bringing in our employment and labor law expert. Yes. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, employment law concerns for entrepreneurs, and as well as have a little bit of a roundtable discussion about general things going on in the community. So, Jen. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> where do we screw things up? Yeah,
1: we don't have to pay employees, right? We, right, just, let, no. we just let them work, right? No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. Every, everybody's a ten ninety-nine, <laughs> right? Yes. So. so,
2: you know, how long is this program? I could go on, uh, I could go on forever here. So, yes, a couple of sort of hot spots which we can go into uh to create this driveway moment about uh, labor and employment law for entrepreneurs um is yes, what's the difference between an independent contractor and an employee? If you do have an employee, are they exempt or non-exempt? Meaning they get overtime and minimum wage. And then with summer coming up, can you use that free labor? (laughs)
1: Yeah, right. right. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I think all startups at some point use free labor, right? I mean, and, and like that's the that's the the i guess the, every story of a of a startup right you started in a garage you started here you started there and it's just like you have a friend that has can give you give you something right do do something either it's just uh labor or it's an actual skill right so um i think every startup has this issue mm-hmm. um whether it be they bring their friend in to be you know a founder you know it it all right. depends on when you bring somebody in so So how, how does a a startup get a, go from free labor to an employee, I guess? (laughs) Well,
2: you'd, you'd be amazed at how quick that can happen. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is that looking at the law from a legal perspective and then from the human perspective, the human perspective is, gee, I'm going to help a buddy out. You know, I'm going to hang out in that dorm room or that garage and, you know, package stuff, make some phone calls, what have you. The law, though, if you allow or you suffer, or allow—it's yeah, a great <laughs> legal term. If you suffer someone to work, which is very sort of puritanical colonial, um, I guess it truly means the meaning of you're basically work. Basically, putting
1: the handcuffs on them and just right, right. right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's like we say with interns. I mean, as soon as you're allowing someone to work for you, um, you, you should be—you um, know—they're they're your employee, for mm. lack of a better term. Um, so I know, especially now with uh, the summer coming up. Um, a lot of college kids are coming out. They're looking for internships or something to round out the resume or, frankly, just something to do. Um, I mean, I even remember when I was in college, it was sort of a lot of companies said, gee, you know, here's this whole free workforce. Let's have these kids do whatever they want. And mm-hmm. it rounds up the resume. And isn't that nice? Um, you have to be careful about that. And we're actually going to have a, a breakfast series about this uh, coming up in May. Um, but essentially the in the sort of the golden rule with interns is that it really has to be for the benefit of the intern. These folks have to slow you down. <laughs> it, slow ha- you down. it has to be. And that's actually one of the parts <laughs> of the test is that the intern can actually impede operations. Cause think about it. If you're hiring someone or, hi- you know, if you're having an intern come into your workspace, they're green, they don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing. And yeah. it really, the point of this is really for them to learn. So, you have to train them. They're going to mess stuff up. They're going to screw stuff up. You know, they're, they, they're, they're going to take time and effort to guide them. They're not just going to come out of the box, walk right in and say, you know, gee, I can't wait to code or, or yeah. do whatever you need them to do. Um, so it really, sh- it, it really has to be for the benefit of the intern and there has to be some sort of educational, Component to it. So that's why I always go with the burden part because it really does drive it home. It's if you're using interns to replace your workforce. They're not an intern. They're an employee. Boy, if yeah. this is sort of like a sigh, eye roll, like, you know, gee, Jenkins, that's not how you, you know, do this. Um, <laughs> now you're in intern land. Like, they yeah. have to slow you yeah. down. Um, Jenkins has to slow you yeah. down. And I apologize to anyone named Jenkins. Yeah. But um, so that's the key thing with intern. I mean, same with volunteers. You can't, I mean, if you're a um, a public agency, you know, you can have your volunteers, but you you can't. The law is pretty expansive as to who is or is not an employee. So, just for the startups out there, just be pretty, just be very uh, cautious about applying the the magic word "intern." Intern to, to folks.
0: something. What about payment? Do interns have to be paid?
2: If they're, I mean, if they're not truly, if they're truly an intern. Then they don't have to be paid because it's mainly for their educational benefit, and they're paying they to, the
1: school to, so to do it. Right, right, And so
2: often it is in conjunction <laughs> with the school program, so they're getting you know some sort of credit for it. Or um, but if they're essentially an employee that you're calling an intern, um, they, you know they should be compensated for their time. And a lot of these things, it's it's all well and good, and no one has a problem until someone goes back to school and thinks I don't have pizza money. Geez, I worked for this guy for three months. Yeah. You know, twelve hours a day, seven days a week, and it was fun. But now I don't have pizza money. Um, but, I want to get paid.
1: But they did learn how to take like a coffee order and go get coffee, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, right, right. <laughs> I they, mean, they right. did learn something. They did.
2: They did have a valuable life skill. I mean, um, when
0: when I think about Jenkins, I like to think that man knows his donuts. <laughs> yeah, I right. just, exactly. Jenkins. You
2: know? <laughs> Jenkins makes a mean latte. Um, well, good old, good old Jenkins.
0: What uh, what about volunteers? what's the difference between a volunteer, per se? Well,
2: I I mean, I think that sort of begs the question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you are a Mm for-profit business, that volunteer is not a volunteer ha- they are so, an employee yeah. Yeah. so
1: like is that almost kind of a thing where if you're a for profit entity you really shouldn't have any volunteers like yeah. like, you, like Correct. saying that you have volunteers is almost just like you're just not paying people
2: yeah sort of like a danger it's a danger word yeah. i mean it's the same thing as um saying a 1099 employee those things just don't they yeah. just don't exist and
1: that's always in like in, in, in construction right you're like oh i have all these contractors and they're you're, right. they're using your trucks they're their tools <laughs> they're, they're t- is, being told where to go yeah it is
2: it is tempting because i don't know i don't know what it is um people are afraid to have employees and i get it because you have you know unemployment tax concerns you got workers comp now that you're employee you know it's like you're dating you're formalizing the relationship <laughs> yeah. you know it's like i have to see you every day Right? no more strings attached <laughs> yeah. you can't you know work with other employees um and so there's this big fear and hang-up of having an employee because a lot of burdens go with that. Yeah. Like I said, it's formalizing the relationship. You brought them home to meet your parents. Um, But that being said, it doesn't mean it has to be that difficult. And from my perspective – You know, when you look at whether or not someone's an independent contractor or not, it really is, and you hit the nail right on the head, Eric, how much do you direct and control their work? What Mm -hmm. equipment do they use? Where do they work? When do they work? And the big thing for me is, can they, can they see other people? Um, you know, it's all well and good to say that. Can they see other people? (laughs) It's all well and good to say, you know, sure, you're an independent contractor. And I'm using air quotes on that, but you might not be able to hear that in my voice. (laughs) Um, They're an independent contractor. They can work with whoever they want. I'm I'm not the only person they work with. And then they turn around and work with someone else. And then, you know, you get upset about it. That is an indication of the relationship too. So I think the biggest thing we advise startups on is just – and it's – we get that it's hard. You know, you're trying to make a business. You're yeah. not really waking up in the morning and thinking, "Ah, I can't wait to think about my classification of employees yeah. as opposed to this business I'm trying to there
1: build." There are some people that yeah. do. They, they just get all they get going <laughs> right, about it. It just right. gets them going. Really, they <laughs> don't
2: need coffee. They just need to think about worker classification. The, the
0: rest of them wake up and roll and go, "What am I going to do with all this money?" Right. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah,
2: exactly, How do I spend yeah. all this and not, you know, I'm going to go hire some volunteers. Um, so, I mean, we get it. The problem is, is that when you don't think about this up front, and we've had this happen to a lot of clients, you get the disgruntled employee yeah. or someone who wakes up months later or someone who says, you know, hey, you only paid me $25, you owe me 50. And, um, you know, the burden is on the employer to have the records and to be able to support this. And yeah. so it's almost like diet and exercise. If you do it every day, you're fine. It's much harder to like wake up one morning and be like, I'm going to lose 400 pounds and run a half marathon. Um, so the more you yeah. can do upfront, those sort of preventative doses about really thinking about who your employees are, what are their job descriptions um, and just record keeping. Yeah. Something as simple as time sheets Payment records, hours worked, um, you know, doing the I-9s, the yeah. immigration forms, just really basic, simple stuff, which was surprising to me when I got into this, how people just don't think about it.
1: Yeah. And so and so almost in context of like social media. 1099 is an open relationship, right? It's <laughs> right. An, it's an open it is an relationship. Open relationship.
2: <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, your gut check on that is if they see someone else, you know, are you gonna get upset or yeah. how controlling of you are that um, yep. you know of them and, and what they do and when they do it and who they see.
1: Um, so can you you can't even like dictate their time or anything like that you can't you can almost you can for a 1099 it's almost like giving them a task and saying, come back to me when it's done. Yeah. or can you be like, you have to do it during these hours? I it's- mean you
2: can have certain parameters, but again and and one thing, and I know this is sort of the annoying legal answer. <laughs> and I'm, that's my guys, full you, disclaimer there, There's a lot of annoying <laughs> right answers right. From- Everyone listening to this, you know, feel free to roll your eyes. Um, but it is such a fact based situational thing so you're not going to have a one size fits all answer you really have to take a hard look at the relationship so you know one person's control may not be but it really is it's an independent contractor someone Mm -hmm. you've gone to and you've hired them for this particular service and you're essentially saying yes deliver x and do it Mm -hmm. as you see fit. If you're all up in their business, you know, literally and saying, I want to do it this way. And with these materials in this location, and you have to do, you know, if you're really just in the nitty gritty and micromanaging it, you know, you're crossing that line. That's not to mean you can't have standards. It doesn't mean that you can't, you don't want to order a product and get back something you completely haven't asked for. Yeah, exactly. But it really is that, you know, how involved are you in the process?
0: And now one of the, test, if I remember right, uh, is that the, the person you're hiring, you're hiring them for that special skill. They have a skill that your company generally doesn't do.
2: Right. So it's outside of the normal course of your business. Well done, Dave, with a uh, quoting part of the test. Yeah, yeah. I remember, <laughs> um, I remember it. <laughs> so right. I mean, it is. And that's another thing of sort of the, um, you know, the, the laugh test. If you're in the business of making widgets and you have an independent contractor widget maker it's going to look different versus you're in the business of making widgets and you're hiring someone to do your website as Mm -hmm. an independent contractor okay so it really is the you know can you can you justify this and explain this to someone without sort of having that sad feeling in your stomach um thinking you know this isn't true (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, so going to like the, uh, for the people who have like the, the great idea, they're in their dorm room, they're in their, their office or whatever, they're at their um, living room and they're just talking about this idea and they start, they, you know, start fleshing it out. Then they start working on it a little bit, a little bit. And then one of them goes and makes, say it's two guys, one of them goes mm-hmm. and makes a company and the other one is still working on it. Now, is that like again? We're talking about employees in ten ninety nines, but does that person have right to the company? Do, is that person now working for the company? Just you, you kind of get what I'm saying? Is that like with right. the, like the whole How Snapchat you, thing, right? Because right. there's like three founders. One of them was like, I made something, but then they made the company, <laughs> and I wasn't a part of it. And
2: and I think the biggest thing is just to have a conversation yeah. up front. And, um, you know, it's true, like in a lot of life, it's just a, sometimes it can be an awkward conversation. Sometimes you have a friendship or a relationship, and everything's going great and you don't want to bring money into it or you don't. I mean, it's almost like having a prenup. I mean, at some point yeah. it just you just have to have the conversation because, again, then these issues come up later of I, you know, you directed the product, but I gave you the sweat equity yeah. or, you know, I did this and I did that. And then you're going to have the whole, you know edelweiss winkel voss whatever it is dispute you know facebook dispute as to who who owns what (laughs) yeah Um,
0: i'm pretty i'm pretty sure most of austria just (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) so you know hey it was a beautiful song from had a shiver um but and yeah that's where it's that's where you run into problems is people don't have those Mm -hmm. don't Mm -hmm. have those conversations
0: i would suggest though then i mean in the context of of having those conversations, um, and I say this to a lot of startups all the time, I mean, that's just part of the process of learning how to yeah. be a CEO, right? I mean, you, you're not, you may be born, with, you may have certain natural leadership skills or a certain way of talking to people and, and so on, but you're not, no, nobody's born a CEO. It, it, it consists of a number of skills that you learn over time, yep. and one of the earliest skills you have to learn is how to talk to people in the context of an employment situation. And sometimes, if they're friends, How to separate business from friendship and, you know, take what actions you need to do that are in the best interest of your company.
2: And one follow on to that, talking about the culture and the environment of the workplace, it is from making that transition between, you know, the friend to employer or the CEO is you have to have an appropriate work environment, which you would think goes without saying but we have a lot of issues with people trans you know becoming supervisors not understanding that now they're in charge they're the boss so not only anything that they say or do can be imputed to the company or put the company on the hook it's also they're responsible for setting the tone so things that could be appropriate when you and your friend are just you know Talking or saying whatever is now, once you have a workforce,
1: yes, is not appropriate. That offhand and, comment, right? Is that, not exactly cool. <laughs> that offhand comment,
2: or you know, it's fine with you and your friend, but now you have you know, this third employee who isn't comfortable with it and now oh. is in the awkward position of like, I want to fit in, but this makes me feel uncomfortable.
0: And yeah. I wish I had learned that lesson three lawsuits ago, <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? We have the mute button on Dave right <laughs> now, just in case he's on a seven second delay, yeah. uh, to avoid lawsuit number four. For. Um, but that's another big thing is people, again, are they're working with friends or they're working with people they know really well. And, you know, this this business has spawned from that relationship. And again, realizing that this is now a business. Yeah. Um, you can't just say whatever the hell you want and think everyone's going to have a hearty chuckle and then yeah. move on. Um,
0: that,
2: that hearty chuckle yeah. could be a lawsuit. So
0: yeah. it's, a, it's a very white male yeah. hearty yeah. chuckle, right. too. <laughs> <right here. laughs> oh, Jenkins, you're so funny.
1: No, it's more it's more the <laughs> Now, now it's the employees that are talking like, ha ha ha! I got a lawsuit right. on my head. Right, <laughs> excellent. Say that again. In, yeah. Into I, the I, mic. I, I am recording now. <laughs> Smithers. So, right. the house. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so now you can tell why I always get invited to parties because I'm the doom and gloom. Yeah. You know, I'm the sort of the school marm in the corner with the ruler, saying, you know, you're in business now. You need to act appropriately. But it is. I mean, put on your big girl and your big boy pants. Yeah. You're running a company now, and that doesn't mean you can't have fun, and it doesn't mean you can't make oodles of cash, and it doesn't mean you know, you have to do it the right way, but it's just these are the things you got to think about now, yeah. um, as opposed to sort of pushing the employment stuff to the back burner. So,
1: when when you uh hire employees, I mean, do you have to have the employee handbook ready? Do you have to have like the every, everything in place? Like, you know, do this, do that. This is how you walk around the office. This is what we wear. This is how we do it, <laughs> right? Never make just, or, eye contact yeah, with you the Or like, You just have like one pamphlet that says anything goes, <laughs> right? You, know?
2: you have a sign that says welcome, <laughs> yeah. sign here, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean like with anything it can be as big or as small depending on your business. I mean there are some things that are definitely, you know, good things to have. Yeah. So, um you may not have a full-scale employee handbook, but you can have some basic policies about, you know, anti-harassment, um when we ex- how you expect you to record your time, you know, if you have any concerns who you can talk to, what your schedule is. Um the big thing with an empl- an employee handbook is not you know having your required disclaimers about this does not create an employment contract you know your employment yeah. is at will um but in hiring Again, it's all back to that relationship thing. You know, focus on the job. A lot of people fall into traps of, again, if you're having that culture of like, hey, we're all friends, um, you know, you may run into trouble in the interview process of like, what kind of name is, you know, Corvo? And, yeah. you know, you may have just stumbled into, <laughs> yeah. you know, a national origin question <laughs> yes. or, you know, so it's very much it's a friendly conversation, but it's one that's focused on the job. So be clear as to what the job is, yeah. what you're looking for. Um, and, you know, just be smart about it. What information do you need from that person to determine whether or not they're going to do the job and then be clear about what the terms of the job are, you know, what schedule you expect, what Mm -hmm. their wage rate's going to be, um, you know, what benefits you're offering. It doesn't have to be a 500 page handbook. In fact, you don't want the 500 page handbook because who the heck is going to read it. Um, but we even have just, you know, a simple checklist, have I got their resume? Have they done their I9? <laughs> yeah. You know, have they filled in their W4 tax form? Uh do I have, you know, information to contact them? Emergency contact, that sort of thing. Yeah. And your orientation can be, you know, here's your cardboard box that's your desk <laughs> yeah. or, you know, here's the corner office. <laughs> yep. Um but just be consistent. And mm-hmm. you know, with each hire you have, it's exciting because that means you're getting bigger and it, these are good problems to have. But again, before you go into it, have a plan. Yeah. It's like most things, just have a plan.
0: And and then just to add, that goes for the corporate law perspective as well. Uh, it's very important when you're bringing somebody on to make sure they have signed an agreement that has confidentiality provisions, uh, that has assignment of inventions provisions. Mm-hmm. If they work on any IP for the company, the company better own it. And yep. if and it do doesn't they have it's going to baggage have from their previous <clears throat> employer, I mean, that's, that's right. a question
2: people forget to ask. Is you know have you signed if you've worked someplace previously have you signed a non compete have you yep. signed a non solicitation yep. and taking that too for face value because sometimes people are like oh I signed a document but it was ten years ago and it's not enforceable it's like well let me be the judge can of I that can I see
1: yeah. it. and can, can <laughs> you usually ask for that. Oh, I yeah. mean is that yeah. that's something that they they can give up and the other company has to give up or Actually most
0: com- most companies want you to
2: yeah. disclose
1: it
0: because yeah. they want the other company to know that this person's subject okay. to a non-compete.
2: But is it's a good question mm-hmm. to ask cuz both
0: ways. Mm-hmm. And we also I mean another concern is prior inventions. If they if they've learned something at another company that's proprietary to that company and then they bring it to your company, you make it part of your IP, then you're resting your IP on a very faulty ground.
1: Interesting. So, cause that, cause that, I mean, j- just thinking about from, from our perspective is that, you know, there's definitely people that we're looking at that are coming from other companies, right? That, that have an, int- you know, have some sort of connection to, to what we're trying to do. And so technically, if they learn something on that invention, it could be a faulty grounds, like our IP would be on faulty grounds kind of a thing. So that's, that's interesting.
2: It's all about, you know, the sort of the touchstone. It's all about being as clear as you can upfront. Before things get too far, as to you know your status, their status, where you stand, mm-hmm. and then it just if you get all this stuff clarified at the beginning, then you can just focus on the job and mm-hmm. making money.
0: Yeah, don't do these things on a handshake.
2: Yeah. No.
1: So, so what about the the idea of um you know like partners, founders, right? They're an esci uh C corp, S corp, like they're employees too, right? So there is that. What? How does that happen? Because I know like. I had to fill out a W four for my, you know, but so so it's like is there is there a distinction between founders and employees? Are you also if you're a corporation, are you also an employee and a shareholder? How I think does it that depends
2: work? on the type of company of whether yeah. or not what you've set up.
0: So so for a corporation, you can be both an employee and a shareholder, yep. right? Yep. And, and there's no there's no technical distinction for founders. Founders are shareholders, yeah. and if they provide services to the company for which they get paid, they're also Employees. Um, LLCs are a little bit different. Um, because in an LLC context, uh, you know, there's, for tax purposes, the company doesn't exist, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a pastor, right? It's a pastor. So all the income and expenses and losses of the company go directly to the shareholders. Um, what, what this, or to the members, what this means is that you can't be both an employee and an owner of an LLC. Uh, in, in that case, what happens is, as an employee, Rather, <clears throat> you're essentially providing services to the company. You're getting a guaranteed payment for your yeah. services. Um, but you can't get benefits. It's a, it's, it's an important thing to know about LLCs is I, I actually like LLCs. 80% of the companies formed in the U.S. Yep. today are LLCs. Uh, we have lots of companies that are LLCs, but it, it, it makes it difficult to give equity incentives in an LLC because the employee is going to lose, uh, their right to health care. Uh, and other types of things. So the company can still pay for it, but what's going to happen is that payment is treated as a payment directly to the owner. And uh, so, okay. and so the
1: owner's going to pay taxes on that. So that'd be like an owner's draw or something like <laughs> that, that. that's that'd right. Technically- it, it, it
0: all gets, it all gets directly attributed to the owner, any expenses, benefits that the company pays for on their behalf. Um, and beyond that, uh, you know, the, so, so they, they lose – then they have to they're, – then they're treated as being self-employed. They have to start paying quarterly taxes, mm-hmm. uh, estimated taxes, and they pay a slightly higher tax rate. Though in the end, in theory, you're paying less taxes overall because you don't have the two levels of taxation of a C-Corp. Yeah. Um, so anyways, it, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And there are a lot of great types of equity incentives for an LLC. But you always have to remember it's an adjustment in the employee's mind. You have to sort of you say yeah I'll give you some equity I'll give you direct equity in the LLC
1: but you're not an employee anymore
0: but yeah but now you're going to be self employed and you got to take that into account and you may have to bump their pay to offset the additional yeah. you know, taxes they're going to be paying and and the benefits they're going to receive um, but on the other hand you know there there are ways to give good equity in LLC there's also Ways to create indirect equity. Um, where we are giving them equity in, in essentially in a side company that's receiving equity from the LLC. Um, the IRS, uh. You lawyers always have a way around it. <laughs> but, I mean, I yeah. just, but it's complicated <laughs> you know, just, and the IRS but, hasn't but, ruled on it. So. But,
2: but Dave is no, by no means saying you can't have founders because yeah. without oh. founders, you can't have founders day and founders day festivities. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> exactly, founders is just yeah. such a good word. Like, I'm a founder, you know, an owner originator yeah. isn't as fun as a founder. Yeah.
1: So. So are there any laws when it comes to interns? I know there was probably about, I don't know, four or five years ago, there was something with like uh, NYC um, or- uh, there was something production company lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. And... Where, again, they were just fetching coffee and they were doing stuff and they were actually, again, they were employees basically, right?
2: Right, right. So there's- Like with anything else in the law, there's about 80 (laughs) different tests. I mean, there's the test that, um, you know, the Department of Labor uses and then each state will have their own tests. And then recently the Second Circuit, which governs, um, you know, Connecticut made their own test because they didn't quite like the DOL test. And, but the, the highlights of it are really, Is it related to an educational program? Does the intern actually impede the, um, the business's work because you're taking Mm -hmm. the time to teach them? Um, are you using this person to replace your workforce? Um, so those are kind of the, the, the things that we talked about before. You know, that, those things can get splintered into six point test, four point test. I mean, it depends on who's doing the writing, but that's really
0: the crux of, um, the issue. So I think we should talk about something vastly more important. What DeflateGate? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so before we started uh, this podcast, uh, Jen had mentioned that DeflateGate <laughs> was fascinating to employment lawyers. Why, why? Why is that?
2: Well, and you know, full disclosure, I haven't read uh, the latest decision yet, but I think what it is is, is so it's so rare that something that we do actually gets in the news. And so, um, you know, the whole decision came out of an arbitration with the suspension and then Brady challenged, um, that decision and the district court threw it out. And then that went up on the second circuit and then the second circuit reversed and said, no, you know, you have to obey the arbitration decision. And so for us, it's just very rare that we're, you know, prime time news. I mean, a lot of arbitrations, um, either they're private arbitrations or they're arbitrations that come out of a union contract. It's more of, you know, were you terminated for just cause? There's no, you know, Super Bowls <laughs> involved or, you know, de- deflating or cell phone records or anything else. Yeah. Um, so that's why, you know, we thought it was interesting because this is stuff we deal with all the day is arbitration and then arbitrations. The standard is so deferential from the courts. It's very much like, okay, you guys agreed to go to arbitration. And unless this is a clear miscarriage of justice or so horribly wrong, we're going to leave it, um, as is. And then personally, because, you know, I'm a huge nerd, we also like deflate gate because a lot of the training we do is on workplace investigations. So if you have a complaint about harassment or, you know, theft or something like that, we give, you know, a seminar to HR folks on how to do the investigation. How to investigate
1: um, your employees. Yes. And <laughs> it, because it,
2: you know, often in a harassment thing, you're number one, you're trying to resolve the issue because mm-hmm. you want your workplace to be a good workplace free from harassment. So you want to actually see if anything happened. Um, but then, you know, if matters aren't settled there, or the issue isn't resolved and someone does bring a lawsuit later down the line, you want to show that the company did, you know, a good faith investigation mm-hmm. into it. So. Anyway, a lot of the things that came up in Deflategate of, you know, cell phone records and where people were when and, you know, giving who got access to materials and who was interviewed and who wasn't interviewed. Those are all things that come up in your, you know, your typical workplace investigation. The biggest thing being, and this is the armchair quarterbacking, (laughs) because often a workplace investigation happens and then two to three years later If, you know, there's been a lawsuit or some sort of charge, strangers who weren't involved in the process at all are now looking at what people did under time pressure in the moment and they're criticizing the investigation. And so a lot of that, you know, happened with Brady. People were looking at the investigation, thinking this was a complete and utter sham. And that happens in the HR world. They'll think, well, why didn't you talk to Jenkins? You know, he was he was a witness. (laughs) Um, Why didn't you talk to right, right? Jenkins was an eyewitness. Why didn't you talk to them? And when you're in
0: donuts, (laughs) right,
2: exactly. (laughs) Jenkins was out making a latte, and I didn't want to interrupt him. Um, But yeah, a lot of people are going to look years later at what. You know, the HR person or the, um, the supervisor, preferably not the supervisor, did, um, in the investigation and, and critiquing it. So, you know, in a nerdy way, this whole, uh, Brady issue is sort of touches on a lot of labor and employment issues. And
1: does it go back to just keeping records and understanding like where people are should be, where they shouldn't be? Like, does that mean it's,
2: it's a, I mean, it's very the basic premise of who, what, when, where, yeah. why, and how. And back to my previous point of having a plan and knowing, that that plan is going to change because say you do talk to Jenkins and Jenkins says, you know, oh, I saw Menard like skulking in the corner. Um, you should talk to him, too. You know, you should then talk to Dave Menard. I was yeah. totally deflating those footballs. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, you know, and just keeping keeping track of who you spoke with, what documents you collected. And sometimes you just have to just even just a physical presence to go out and talk to people mm-hmm. and making sure who's doing the investigation is someone who's independent and is neutral. So you may have baggage with this employee and you think, oh, this is the squeaky wheel. But you know what? Bad things can happen to squeaky wheels, too. And not getting pressure from other people in the company as to how they want the investigation to go or what result
0: they want. So did you read the lower court ruling? No. I, 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 I was just curious. I mean, as you said, courts generally give deference to arbitration. Mm-hmm. The, the arbitration ruled against Brady. gave him a suspension. Yep. Then the lower court overturned it. I,
2: I think it, the, the sort of buzzword was that it was so unreasonable and like outside the bounds, I think, of the arbitrator's authority. But I'm sort of picking up you know, bits and pieces. I just sort of got like the Facebook feed of outrage or support and sort of figured (laughs) I had enough.
1: Yeah. Um, are you, are you a Pats fan?
2: I'm from Massachusetts originally. Um, and here's the thing. I grew up in Massachusetts when the Patriots were horrible, when the Red Sox were horrible, when the Bruins were horrible. Oh, so you and don't so, want to like,
1: hop on the bandwagon?
2: Well, no. It's <laughs> like I've always been a fan because it hasn't been hard to be a fan. It's either yeah. we lost all the time or we're champions. So, um, you know, I'm a fan in the sense that I have sort of a regional loyalty. But, I mean, aside from Gronkowski and Brady, I can't pick many people <laughs> out of a lineup. Yeah. So It's okay, Jen. Um,
0: you yeah. can your fandom. This is a safe show. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Honestly, people like I I played football, you know, know, growing up mm -hmm. in high school and everything like that. And uh, people are always like, who's your favorite football team? And it's like, well. I like the Broncos when you know right. when Elway and right. and uh, she had sharper on the team and Terrell Davis. Logo. No, yeah. but then, then at the end of the day, like I don't even care. I right. I, I, w- I want to watch like a good football game, and I talked to my sister about it, and she knows everybody. Right. She, I mean, she's a die- she, think about this. I have a sister who's a diehard Pats fan and a diehard Yankees fan. Ooh, where the hell does that come from? Wow. You know? Like it's like one of those kinds of things. I mean, and then the rest of the family is Red Sox. Fans, <laughs> but um.
2: So it's sort of surprising that these teams have all done so well because, you know, as a kid, we were it's, just horrible. It's true. You can get it's tickets so whenever you wanted. No one was at games. I yeah. mean... I, I
0: remember going to undergrad at BC and I used to go to uh, Red Sox games all the time and we go sit in the bleachers for seven bucks. Right. You pay seven bucks, you get into any game and you just yep. go sit in the bleachers yeah. and hang out And now out there. people
2: are like flipping over cars. Like yeah. I was in law school when we won the Red Sox, won the World Series and, you know, Boston just like erupted and people are flipping over cars and everything else. I'm like, seriously, like, are you just like so excited that you finally have something to like celebrate? I mean, my first instance is not like let's flip over a car, but like you know, to each his own, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, (laughs) I I remember when I uh, I went to a Red Sox game with uh, my sister and my family, and I was walking down the. uh, My sister obviously has her Yankees jersey Mm -hmm. on and my Red Sox.
0: Brave woman and and like
1: oh yeah, and she's walking down and she you know she'll talk. You talk to her, she's gonna talk back. (laughs) And I just remember, keep your girlfriend in line over there, like you know, (laughs) that's (laughs) kind of. <laughs> stuff. And it was actually it was actually a heated game because that that was the game that. Um that Zimmerman uh, charged mm-hmm. the mound oh, uh, and Pedro yes! threw him down oh, I and that. then and then, nobody, and, then and then a lot of people don't realize that we were we were behind the bullpen and um, for the Red Sox bullpen and um, during the game the outfielder I don't know who it was jumped the bullpen um, the bullpen and started beating up the like, one of the ball boys <laughs> like he started like fighting one of the ball boys and we were like what, poor Jenkins yeah, yeah. yeah. He he was Jenkins. Just gets beat up you know <laughs> <laughs> like, that's another internship down <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> you know?
2: worst summer job ever yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: so when in uh going back to the internships I think internship Ooh, all right, is like Oh, now back to the topic. Yeah, okay. no, we well, no, well, <laughs> we love getting off topic. Tangent, tangent, <laughs> tangent. Um but with the internships it's like one of those things where every startup at one point is mm-hmm. doing internships, right? So if you're connected to a school and they're you know they're coming out of a program, do you still have to do the educational side or is like the school doing it or is it still like kind of like tricky ground because that's I mean the only reason I bring it up is because we've had, you know, I've worked with good internships. Mm-hmm. Um I've been an intern before and it was dog shit. You right, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it was You've just like, like I, yeah, okay. exactly. I was like stacking papers <laughs> and going through like yep. files that they didn't even do anything with. <laughs> yeah. Um so and I still have some of those paperwork. <laughs> um so it's just one of those things where it's even if you're connected to a school it, it you know, do you have to right. do the educational side of it? And
2: you're and you're still on the hook for that. So I think part of the vetting process with the internship is what kind of internship is it? And often what schools will have, and you can ask about this, sometimes they, uh, they ask the interns to write a weekly journal entry mm-hmm. about what they're learning, or they have, um, an end of internship project or thought piece or, you know, what I learned this summer sort of thing. Usually there's some sort of component to that to sort of justify mm-hmm the educational component. So I would feel free to ask the school and just say, you know, what are your requirements for this internship? What do you want to make sure that the intern gets out of this? Yeah. Because it's also a two way street. If the intern comes to you and is like, I had the worst summer, all I did was stuff envelopes and, you know, grab coffee. They're not going to send you another another intern next year. So don't be afraid to ask the questions because you're doing them a favor too,
0: so, so so Eric Fresh Farm is going to have to let those four kids out of the closet now. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> we've been keeping them hidden. <laughs> <getting away laughs> <by people. laughs> I will. I want to say
1: there's one um, this past uh, semester that we um, went to go work with uh, a couple of interns uh, from local college, and you know we. When I was doing internships, again, there was uh, literally doing like, energy audits for buildings that are, like, they're never going to do anything with them, you mm-hmm. know? And so, again, I had some internships that were just horrible, didn't like them. And so when I look at having an intern with any of the companies that I've ever done, it's always been, like, okay, I'm going to give you a real-world project. Like, I don't yeah. want you to look at it as – even even almost, like, in uh, in school nowadays, it's like, don't look at it as your project for the grade. Look at it as a real-world thing because yep. – you look at it as a grade. That's all you're worrying about, right? And so um, I remember I was giving the, these students, and I was like, "Listen, if you we want you to do this, we want to re- reach out to these clients, you know, this or that." And I go if a sale comes of it, like, we'll give you part. Like, we're not going to mm-hmm. just ha- be like, okay, thanks for the sale. You know, you know, thanks for the free work. right? We'll give you a part of it. And then they they went back and they were like, well, it seemed like he was giving us quotas that <laughs> he wants to hit. And I was just like, we would just want you to talk to at least right. 20 of our clients, you know, just <laughs> see what they would like, you know, what they would, you know, just get an understanding of it. So it's, a, I do think that there's some, you know, some students think an internship is just another project, mm-hmm. not an actual, like, experience, kind of like a work experience. So... I don't know, it was just it was just interesting to hear cuz I didn't first of all, they didn't even come back to me. Right. They had to have the professor come to me and tell them that they're working on another project because of it. So it was just one of those things where I was like, eh, I mean, now I don't want you as an employer right. in an intern <laughs> cuz you couldn't even email me back. Well, know?
2: part of that too is I think part of the internship is you're training a future workforce. Yeah. So we've all had people who have worked for us who don't return phone calls or don't know what it's like to yeah. be in a workplace. And so part of that training is hey, if you have an issue, I mean, unless your, your school's rules require that you s- play telephone yeah, exactly, yeah. through the professor, but if you have an issue, let's talk about it. Um, and that's part of a skill that you learn at work. Yeah, exactly. But it could also, I mean, I find sometimes too, there could be a generational thing of, you know, I'm going to have someone else have the confrontation yeah. as opposed to me. Um, and it's interesting to hear your part of the conversation of, you know, hey, you know, here's a metric. Try to call twenty people as opposed to just an open ended thing, which a lot of people like is structure. And then their interpretation of it is, you know, he's giving us quotas, you know, he's the man. (laughs) Um Yeah, but you're gonna have like you're gonna have great employees, you're gonna have great interns and you're gonna have bad employees and sometimes bad interns. And maybe that bad intern is gonna at the end of the summer learn something and the next job they're not (laughs) going (laughs) to you know call their professor and say, Please talk to my boss but
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. It
2: is, it is part of the process. Well, pe-
0: people are always learning how to function in, a, in yeah. whatever environment they're at. And so just to give you a, a short story from, uh, from, my days as a summer associate, which uh, for those who have not been to law school, it's, it's usually after your second year, you go work maybe for a law firm or some other place for the summer. Um, kind of like a almost like a legal intern, except you know so you're you know getting make paid. coffee basically. <clears throat> well, you you start learning about what it's like to actually practice law. Yeah, and um, they're buying you coffee. Yeah, because oh, yeah. they want you to. That, work that's really right. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I get free coffee. Oh my god! So you're locked in this room all right. day. So oh so gosh. I I worked for this firm not. Not Martha Klein. <laughs> it was another firm uh, in Boston. And uh, they had the, some of the uh, law students that came in as summer associates were, uh, were from Canada. Um because and, and, this law firm did a lot of law in both mm-hmm. the US and Canada. And and at, at the end of your second at the end of your summer as a summer associate, you're you probably are also sending out resumes because you want in case the your the place you're working for is as a summer doesn't offer you a job, you want to have interviews lined up for the fall so you can try to find a job for when you graduate law school. And uh this one <laughs> this this one poor summer associate uh, I, I say poor it's all his fault um really <laughs> it's always yeah. their fault it's <laughs> right, their, right. He, he, uh, he so he was preparing his resumes while he was in the office oh boy and uh, he walked down to office services you which know where this is going. does all the copying and every you know mailing and all things like that and, uh, he, he'd gone straight to law school from college and never had a office job before. Yeah. So, so there was a big series of miscommunications where he, he brought these resumes and he put them all in envelopes. And, and so office services, a bunch of envelopes that are going to law firms in Canada. And so he says, he says, can I have these shipped out to the, uh, you know, to law firms in Canada? And they said, sure, it looks important. Wanted to go overnight? He said, yeah, no, that'd oh. be great. Huh. <laughs> and they're like, well, if it's that important, do you need it registered? And, you know, like, do we need to have somebody <laughs> sign for it? He goes, oh, that'd be fantastic. Thanks. And then, you know, and so they're asking the like, series. Dollars of dollars like, per like letter. $400 <laughs> later. Well, they're asking him these sorts of questions. And finally, they're like, this sounds like it's pretty important. And you're a junior person. Do you want this couriered? <laughs> do you want no. this couriered? <laughs> and he said, yes. And so a guy got on a plane with a briefcase of these letters and he no. delivered them to law firms in Canada, the Toronto, Montreal area. Oh, areas. my gosh. Did he get any of the jobs? Um, <laughs> and, and, of course, a bill comes back for like $5,000. <laughs> oh,
2: my gosh.
0: For um I, I won't go any further about you know what That's, happened or anything but it was just wow. <laughs> to talk about a, a learning experience he would have been able to get a, he,
1: he would have been able to get the free stamps in the envelopes but <laughs> not the free courier. The <laughs> courier but I'm
2: just playing out that movie in my head of, like someone at the law firm in Canada and this guy with a briefcase like handcuffed to his hand is like you know I have Jenkins resume <laughs> yeah. you know and they're like Ooh, we gotta hire this guy you know we don't we probably don't have to pay him because he seems like he has plenty of money since <laughs> <laughs> <'cause> first <laughs> Personal <laughs> delivery of his resume. Oh, this guy wow. takes this
0: interview real seriously, <laughs>
2: right? Oh, and then he the... shows up for the interview, and they're like, "Really?" This so, so you were
1: you were there when this happened? Yes. Okay. It wasn't. It, was, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't one of those things where they like passed down. Like, right. Like, right. Of lore. The, the fol- yeah. yeah fol-
0: the folklore. <laughs> what's I, right, what's... Right. I, got, I got a few of those stories too, but we'll <laughs> do that for a different podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it was it, it was the word of the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, oh that's that's great.
1: So so when it comes to like uh so again you're thinking about interns as like future employees mm-hmm. you know you're developing the workforce a lot of companies nowadays are kind of doing like these small projects with with people before they bring them on as employee it's like you go through the process and they're like okay let's actually work with you on x y and z before you mm-hmm. move forward how does that kind of work cuz again you can is it you know if you're only doing it say 90 days or is it project based like they're 1099 and then if you like them they mm-hmm. turn into an employee Can is there
2: You've sort of just hit on all the buzzwords. It really is just taking a look <laughs> I'm at what... Trying to what... do buzzwords. I'm right. all about buzzwords. <laughs> I, I just yeah. speak in buzzwords. Yeah. Startup, <laughs> <Right>. Social media. <laughs> right. It depends. Suffer or permit to yeah, work. exactly. Uh, 1099. <laughs> (laughs) Um, Again, it just depends on the situation. And that's another sort of myth that people get into. They think, oh, it's a 90-day probationary period, as if somehow there's this magic to that 90-day window. If you're an at-will employee, you're an at-will employee. And that goes both ways. The person can show up one day and say, you know what, I don't want to work here. Drop the mic and leave. Or they could show up and you're like, you know what? That's not working out. You know, beat it. Um, giving him that – putting that label on it, again, outside of the collective bargaining, you know, unionized context, um, you know, putting that 90-day label on it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. Um, I mean it may signal to the person that, okay, I'm really going to take – that someone's going to take a hard look at me for the first three months, mm-hmm. but then you also don't want to have the situation of day 91. The person comes in, you know, four hours late for work, drunk, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of. So uh, that's just another thing that people, I think, don't realize is, is that if, if you're an at will employee, that 90 day probationary period, It doesn't really make much of a difference. It's kind of just a label I think people put on it to say, okay, you and I are going to consider this job as sort of penciled in for the first 90 days. So maybe as an employer, I won't feel as bad about letting you go because you were sort of on notice that this was probationary or maybe the employee won't feel bad if they think Jesus isn't a good fit for me. I want to leave. Um but in reality, if they're an at-will employee, they're an at-will employee.
0: Yeah. It's just an excuse for them not to uh, let them accrue vacation time or get other benefits for 90 days. Right. That's yeah. a-
1: that's basically it, right? So, so the first night is no, you're not getting shit. <laughs> there's no
2: real, there's no real magic to it. So, no.
1: so going off of because uh, obviously TV is everything, and, and yes. everything in TV is true, right? Of course. So uh, watching the new, I uh, didn't go to Law School. Yeah. I just
2: watched Law and Order. <laughs> I mean, come on.
1: Which <laughs> why, is why I'm, why I'm awesome you?
2: at giving like 45 minute speeches <laughs> yeah, in the backdrop exactly. of these beautiful murals about justice. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's what I do all day. <laughs>
1: the um, so Silicon Valley, the, the TV yes. show. Do you know, watch it? Right. Yes. So, yes. so did you watch new episode? Uh, no. Okay. So, spoiler. I, so we've only no, had like no. one episode though in the season right okay yeah
2: I recorded it okay so
1: um but uh but like in the last like so the last season right the arbitration yep, right there in yep, the arbitration yep. and um the 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 clause in Richard's mm-hmm. um thing where it's the all the um the contracts were invalid, mm-hmm. right? So, so explain like kind of like that is, or I mean, obviously, case by case scenario. <laughs> explain the <who Lisa laughs> contract, right? <laughs> but, but going that is that like, are there certain things to definitely keep out of contract and mm-hmm. like, like, can you not say you can't work on other stuff versus? I mean, like, well, the
2: ha- the big thing with the Silicon Valley episode was that there are certain things, in... they were in California, yeah. so California law prohibits um, certain kinds of. I don't think they even allow. Was it non-compete? Yeah, they they're don't they're yeah. non-compete.
1: Because, like, there's so many tech companies, like, you basically couldn't work anywhere. Also, kind of well, I think,
2: too, it's just California is very – I think it's one of the most, you know, regulated and law-heavy um, areas in the employment space. Um, I think California and New York are the biggies, which yeah. shouldn't be surprising. Yeah. Um, so, you know – we have certain things in agreements that you shouldn't put in, but they're mainly things in settlement agreements that the law has said, you know, there are certain claims you can't waive or, you know, certain notices have to be given. Um, but as far as the contracting relationship, I mean, I think that's sort of the beauty of, of contract. I mean, you can't, another sort of takeaway is, is that the labels you apply to people often don't govern. So just because you Mm. call someone a supervisor doesn't mean they're, um, uh supervisor i mean yeah. just because you say someone is non-exempt or exempt from the fair labor standards act doesn't mean just because you said so they are yeah. um just because they get paid a salary doesn't mean that they're exempt from you know overtime and and minimum wage so i guess the from my perspective the thing to be careful about is um, you know what labels you put on people um, think very carefully about the obligations you put on yourself and on the person you're contracting mm-hmm. with and again just be up front if this is the start of the relationship if you are going to go in that realm of having um a contract is there a bonus you know make sure everyone is clear that that bonus is discretionary um, if there's a commission structure have a written plan yep. um, you know state when when commissions are actually earned um just be clear as clear as you can up front as to how the relationship is going to go and if if it's something you think about and it's something you've spoken about you probably want to have yeah. it in the agreement <laughs> yeah, yeah. because the last thing you want is oh yeah, but when we were negotiating the contract, they told me these three things were going to happen. It's not in the contract, but that's what they told me. And, you know, I relied on that. It's yeah. just clear to have everything in the document. And then that fabulous clause saying, I'm not relying on any <laughs> representations outside of the document. Um, I'm signing this of my own free will. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, so I mean,
1: there's, so, so there are definitely times where, you I mean, you're signing a contract. It's not just you're becoming an employee. It's like you're signing.
2: Well, the thing when you're signing an employment contract is you're, you're, you're transitioning that employee from an at-will so anyone can go at any time for any reason versus, you know, there are certain obligations and expectations and then you're opening yourself up to, you know, a breach of contract claim. So that doesn't mean to say that you can't have a confidentiality agreement or you can't have a non-compete or a non-solicitation agreement. It doesn't mean you can't have those sort of collateral things. Um, But you want to think very carefully if having an employment contract suits your business. Is locking someone in for a particular period of time, Mm -hmm. you, you, you need them to commit for a certain period of time. Do you need them to commit to, you know, not work for a competitor? Do you need them to, do they need from you that they're only going to be terminated for these five specific reasons? Again, it's not a one size fits all thing. It really is what fits, what fits your
1: business. Or if you're not going to pay them unless they do X, Y, and Z.
2: Right, That's, or they deliver these things yeah. or, you know, what their compensation is going to be. And Again, keeping in mind that, you know, you're actually compensating them and not...
1: So tell me a little bit about sure. how the salaries and you're saying that just because they're salary doesn't mean they're not, they don't have right. overtime. Because so if, if that's the case, I need to talk <laughs> to people. In my own job. So there, I
2: mean, there are certain things. I think, again, when we get into these shorthands, if people think, oh, I'm paid a salary, I'm not yeah. owed overtime. So in order to be um, exempt from the Fair Labor Standards Act, and Connecticut also has its own law, is you have to meet the salary test. So you have to be paid on a salary basis of a certain amount per week. Um, federal, I think it's 455. Connecticut, I think it's 475. And again, this is an oversimplification here. Yes. Um, and then you also have to meet the duties test. So your job has to be, um, in certain categories. So executive, administrative, um, professional. There are certain ones, at least under the federal law for, um, employees that work in the computer industry. So mm. if you meet the salary test and the duties test, you can be exempt from the minimum wage and overtime provisions. If you get paid a salary but you're not doing those types of duties that are going to make you exempt, you are you have to be paid minimum wage um, and then you have to be getting overtime for hours worked over 40. And Halliburton actually just got whacked with a huge fine, um, I think it was in October or September of last year because they had um, people going out and taking, um, I think, like oil samples or some sort of testing and they had classified them as exempt. And we're paying them a salary and everything else. And it turns out they weren't exempt. So that means that as long as that person has worked, you're now looking at their hours and any hour over 40, they're now getting time and a half. And it wasn't just one employee. Yeah. It was several employees. So the takeaway for this is, um, you know, often we advise having a job description for what people do and taking a look at it as exempt or non-exempt. And don't just decide it, you know, month one of your company and never look at it again because yeah. jobs change, positions change, salaries change. And so it's kind of like how they say to schedule your physical, you know, every year on your birthday month or what have you, um, you know, periodically take a look at policies, periodically take a look at um, job descriptions, mm-hmm. how you're classifying people, just sort of do a company checkup and just, you know, just make sure that things are what you say they are. Yeah. Because um, that'll even come up with accommodating, um, you know, requests for accommodation for individuals with disabilities. You know, what are the yeah. essential job functions? What were on day one of the company may not match the reality now. So it's just it's hard to be an employer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of things out here that aren't mysteries. So yeah. the more you can think about it up front and the more you can get people involved and get advice, um, the better it's going to be.
0: So we're about at the point where we need to wrap this yeah. up. Uh, is there anything else, Eric, in the no, the world? I
1: think at the end of the day, if you're a nonprofit, have you can have volunteers as a nonprofit, <laughs> right? as <laughs> a for-profit, you shouldn't have volunteers. And then uh, just the interns just got to uh, just make sure there's some sort of benefit, right? Yeah, right. and
2: I will say, I mean, obviously, I would never discourage anyone from calling, you know, Martha Kalina <laughs> for any type of advice, but, um, you know, Department of Labor, both Connecticut and yep. federal, have some really great fact sheets on certain things um, and, you know, quizzes that you can take, you know, is this person an employee mm-hmm. kind of issue. So, um, and there are industry associations that you can go to. I mean, there's, you don't have to just sort of blunder about. Um, and, you know, we're obviously always happy to, to chat with people. But once you sort of have that initial thought of, gee, I should check this, yeah, you should check it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, maybe maybe next year on, uh uh on our birthday month, which is, I believe, May. I yep. believe May yeah. is our yeah. birthday yeah. month. Maybe yeah. we'll have you back in to yeah. give us an update on to all take these stock. Uh, yes. yeah, to, to understand what has changed. And, uh, <laughs> right. I'd, I'd actually
0: love to have you back to talk about sort of a, have a philosophical discussion about non competes. Um, I was reading some, some articles recently about whether or not they stifle innovation and and their overuse. I mean, in Massachusetts, I know there's been cases of. Hairdressers signing yeah. competes the beats with salons. Yep. And I yep. definitely heard that. Yep. And. Yeah. That's, and that's, you know, it's interesting from the company perspective. It's, it's a good thing, right? And, but from a, a economical perspective yeah. or just government perspective, it seems like an overkill or overuse of Well, that.
2: and it's and not to sort of preview too much of the discussion, but it's interesting in the legal profession, you know, you, because the law respects the client's choice in that relationship, you're not allowed to have the non-computer and and some States actually prohibit it with doctors. Um, so you have these certain professions that it sort of the law deems are so sacred that you can't possibly have a non-compete. But I mean, my relationship with my hairdresser, I think, is sacrosanct. <laughs> so I'd be pretty <laughs> mad if uh, I couldn't go to her because she went to a different salon. But
1: because that it's the client base, you gotta. Right, bring, it's, you literally it's my personal choice. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. Or you know, how did you find out that she left the salon? Did she contact you directly, or did you happen yeah. to you know run yeah, into
0: her? Yeah, you don't want to and- be quizzed by the salon. Owner?
1: Right, right. Or you know, you it- know, and you know exactly what say right i right. ran into right. know, I somebody ran else told the me about street. her <laughs> yeah. right i just
2: happened to bump into her at the grocery store um so anyway i mean i clearly i knew you wanted to talk about hairdressers in that discussion so. uh, absolutely well <laughs> no,
0: I, I honestly i that was one of the major cases that i'd seen in the past year and i think it's a, I think it's a big one because of a, out of all the professions you wouldn't expect I don't know. I think
2: this is someone who probably does not think too – like, I don't know how you sort of get your hair cut. But for me, when I moved from Massachusetts to Connecticut, it was like my top question of where do people (laughs) go to get your – I need someone who can cut my hair. So, anywho. (laughs) That's excellent. Yep. Right. Feel free to look at the bio picture. Like, really? She cares <laughs> yeah. about hair that much? <laughs> yeah. Her, her hair looks pretty normal, yeah. but anyway. I couldn't get
1: a good hair barber, so I just stopped. <laughs> I just stopped. You I just stopped yeah, Just let it start altogether. going. It just started growing. You went you know? free yeah, range. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I, I might need to enhance my reputation around here as an entrepreneur attorney. You do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, the, the one problem with being, a, being an entrepreneur attorney in a, in a law firm is, you know, everybody else is wearing suits and everything. My clients come in in T-shirts and jeans, and I'm trying to. Match them. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, you know, and they're like, God, he's such a slob. What's going on with him? Why can't why can't he just hold to our dress code standards? Right.
2: Well, is that what is that like curb your enthusiasm? Or was the lawyer had casual Friday and the guy goes in, he's like, You look like a cowboy. You can't give me legal advice. (laughs) Um, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, Jen, thank you very much for coming good It's been a lot of fun. You appreciate it. Okay, so we will talk to everybody in the next episode. Thanks very much.
1: Have a good one. You've just listened to the CT Startup Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or check out our webpage at ctstartup.com where you can find all our social media links. And please, please leave us your feedback. Special thanks to our production team, Kate Ruppart, Dylan Gilliatt, and Kevin Dobis, as well as our equipment and marketing sponsor, Murtha Kalina LLP.